All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Interesting debate yesterday in the legislature over drug decriminalization, Mm -hmm. which kicked in at the end of January. So we've had this in place for, what, two and a half months now. And we still have, what, record high overdose deaths here. Yeah, so the the B.C. United opposition, former the B.C. Liberals, brought in some, uh, raised the issue yesterday. Uh, Kevin Falcon, leader, uh, talking about how a child, a young child, had found a packet of fentanyl on the school grounds. And so they are. In Nanaimo, I believe. Yeah, so the the opposition did support decriminalization when they were, uh, when it was at the committee uh, process, but uh, subject to certain guardrails or safeguards that had to be incorporated as part of decriminalization. So the opposition is arguing, well, those safeguards aren't there right now. They're not there. There's not increased treatment. There's not. Uh, evidence of a, a big education campaign, a number of, you know, half dozen points that they say this falls short. So you had this scene yesterday in, in question where it was quite interesting. The NDP government saying, well, you support decriminalization, basically. Why are you arguing? And the, and the opposition saying, no, uh, we did support it in principle, but the safeguards are not there. So you see the, op- the BC United Party sort of detaching itself from supporting decriminalization. Yeah. Because the safeguards and guardrails are not there. And that's an interesting shift. Okay, let's listen to some clips on this. So here's Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General here. And listen to what he says and how the Liberals start sort of beacon off at him here and how he responds. It's quite interesting. Have a listen. As the uh, the member knows, both sides of the House have supported uh, decriminalization. In no. ter- yeah. no. You have. Um, you can change your position if you're changing your. If, if you're, if, Shh, if members, you're, let's not have. Cross. If, if you're changing your position, then um, you know I think it would be a, a, an important thing to uh, to announce. Yeah. So he says, you know, we both support dr- drug decrim, and the and the liberals start saying, oh, we don't. Hang on a second here. Listen to Kevin Falcon here, the United BC United leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So let's be really clear. The NDP's plunge headlong into decriminalization without the proper guardrails that even the federal government insisted should be in place is absolutely not something that we're going to support on this side of the House. Your thoughts? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting um, development where, again, the Liberals have made, or the Liberals, the BC United has made that um, pointed out they no longer support this as it is because the guardrails as recommended by the federal government are not there and i think you're going to see this fall fits the public safety um issue that the the opposition has made its top priority in uh, in the legislature in question period you've got the random violence the stabbings and now you've got uh, uh anecdotal evidence that drugs are being found and being used uh, in inappropriate places so look for the opposition to continue to raise why are people using drugs in public parks and and why are you finding drugs on school grounds as they shift away from supporting decriminalization? Because, again, the safeguards aren't there. Right. And those safeguards or the, the guardrails, as the liberals have referred to them, are outlined by the federal government. So remember, it was the federal government that said, OK, we will allow drug possession of drugs to be decriminalized in B.C., Okay, but it's according to there's some requirements. So there was an actual letter of requirements mm-hmm. sent by the feds to the province. It said you must do these things. Well, so I'm looking at it right now. So it provide it says improving access to health and social services. Now the government would say, well, we've done that. But you talk to lots of people. I've talked to doctors who have said they've got heartbreaking situations mm-hmm. where a drug addict could come to them and say, I'm ready to get clean. I want to kick drugs. And guess what? There are no services available, only a waiting list. What is interesting, so, the federal government has not rescinded 
approval. That's true. You know, so either the government thinks the safeguards have been uh, established or they're just looking the other way. Yeah, another, I'm sure the opposition is going to argue, well, they're just looking the other way. Yeah. The, another one is an effective public awareness campaign. Is there an... Has there been like a big ad campaign no. from the government? No. And I think there's been some mixed messaging and there's confusion as well, I think, on uh, exactly what the rules are. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So you see the Liberals now kind of adjusting their positioning on the it. BC United Party, the, not oh, the Liberals. Ooh, that's, prob- that's probably not the last time I make that no, mistake. No, I've been making that mistake yeah. myself. The BC United Party. Okay. We watched that one with interest. Let's talk about the situation with uh, all the, the labor disputes going on. Of course, we're yeah. into do a day two of the federal yeah. civil service strike. What's the status of that one? They're still talking as of this morning. So hope- that's always good news. If you're still at the table, there's always a chance for a deal. Um, but uh, over time, as this thing builds, people are going to be inconvenienced on a number of fronts. Now, it's not it's not a mass walkout. There's essential service levels and stuff. It's basically slowing down the processing yeah. of paper yeah. involved with the federal government. So things like your passport, yeah. your t- uh, if you're expecting an income tax refund, yeah. uh, don't file by paper, uh, file by computer. But it's going to take more. There's fewer people to process federal documents, so passports, tax uh, refunds, anything to do with citizenship. Um, not Canada Post, that's different. Mm-hmm. But uh, the big one, I think, for a lot of people is, is income tax refunds. Yeah, and is there any indication that the, the federal government, the Trudeau government, could intervene here and force these workers back to work with back-to-work law? Well, it would take a lot longer than people think. Not like the provincial legislature where some, a bill could pass in three days here. And we've seen it before. We have seen back-to-work legislation very rarely, but it does occur from time to time. But it takes very little time. The rules are different in the House of Commons. It would, I think the earliest a bill could be introduced is next week. And then it would take a significant amount of time to pass the legislation. And then no guarantee it would pass. The NDP which is the partner to the Liberals, would not support a back-to-work bill. The Conservatives could probably be a, play a bit of mischief and watch the Liberals twist in the wind a bit on this and maybe withhold their support, which means the bill wouldn't pass. Then you've got the Senate, which is a wild card. It has to pass the Senate, and it's not going to get guaranteed it would pass. So in terms of back-to-work legislation, that could be a very lengthy process. Interesting. The NDP, typically a Labour Party, uh, typically will say we're against any kind of government intervention mm-hmm. in these disputes. They should, we, they should be settled at the bargaining table, although we have seen NDP governments in the past in B.C., Bring in back to work. They brought. Remember the Harcourt government. We came in on a weekend to bring yeah. in a bill to uh, end a QP strike in the Surrey right. schools. Yeah, um, I think there was a bill to end a bus driver dispute. Doesn't happen very often. We've got that transit dispute playing out in the Fraser Valley. That one's dragging on. That's dragging on, and no indication the NDP is going to legislate that one. Let's listen to B.C. Labour Minister Harry Baines on that. Here he's asked whether the government would intervene, force these bus drivers back to work in the valley. Here's what he says. We're not uh, at, a, at a position to intervene, and, I, and I'm the one uh, that don't believe in, in government interference in, in free collective bargaining. And uh, both parties have a long history of uh, concluding good collective agreements to bargaining. Uh, from time to time, disruptions uh, you know, occur in, in collective bargaining, and we'll, we'll, compete, we'll continue to monitor the situation. Your thoughts? Well, the, the uh, transit dispute on the coast, on the Sunshine Coast, went on for uh, months with no government intervention. I don't expect. Uh, I've talked to Harry Baines about the f- 
philosophical opposition to intervening in collective bargaining, and he feels quite strongly about that. So I don't see any, uh, just a remote chance of the government intervening in this dispute in terms of back to work. Now there could be maybe Vince Reddy rides to the rescue, as we've seen before. It can go to mediation. There can be a fact finder appointed. There's a number of tools at Baines's disposal to get involved in this dispute, but in terms of uh, legislating a, a settlement, imposing a settlement on both sides, I don't see that happening. That's amazing Vince Reddy is still around. How long has he been mediating strikes years and years long, I mean, long the, time. He, he mediated the end to that bus strike on the on the uh, oh, right. sunshine coast yeah or on uh, the squamish whistler area um he's uh, famously mediated and into a school a teacher strike a few years yes. ago and a number of other disputes as well yeah and he's got a reputation as a bit of a miracle worker but he would see would say himself that Look, you've got to exhaust everything yep. at the table before and you bring me in. Part of Vince's technique is you've got to literally exhaust everything, yeah. including your both sides' will to continue. He literally right. locks them in a room and says, you're not coming out until there's a deal. Yeah. Now, that can only occur after a significant time goes by. So I don't see Reddy getting involved in that uh, transit dispute anytime soon. Okay, real quickly, the nurses' union, they're voting on a voting contract? today. Today, uh, Yeah, so more than 50,000 members in that bargaining unit. It's um, a deal that's... Basically, very similar to all, uh, all public sector unions basically have the same deal with a few bells and whistles changes. It's about 14% over over three years, give or take, a little bit here and there. Um, and so far, everyone, all unions have uh, accepted. Uh, some unions, VCGU notably, with a low ratification vote, I think below 60%. But the teachers were over 90%, VCTF, which is very unusual, Um uh, so we don't know what the nurses are going to do, but I, I expect the intel I'm getting from some of the employer and union groups is that this is expected to pass. Maybe sure. not the high percentage. The unions in, uh, and, uh, endorsing oh, the yeah, deal, they, right? They, yeah, they endorsed it because yeah. they 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 signed it or they didn't sure. sign it. They they negotiated this. So this was a fr- freely negotiated deal that the BCNU leadership is now putting to its members with okay. the, the recommendation to be ratified. Okay, take well, a it break. goes on for about a week. As Baldry's Beat, we were talking earlier on the show about the Kitsilano Homeless Housing Tower, 13 stories mm-hmm. there, approved by City Council. You had the neighborhood group go to court to try and fight it. They were opposed to it. And then you get the B.C. government wades into it, basically forcing the thing through despite this legal action. I know you talked to the minister, the housing minister, about this, right? They're, yeah. they're showing the BC government showing no no sign of backing down on oh, this. Oh no, so. they've they've got a bill that's going to pass the house. Uh, there's no question of that. I talked to Ravi Kale on the housing ministry yesterday yeah. uh, in a scrum where he's basically said because the key um, one of the key points here is this had the support of two councils, the previous council and the current council. So yeah. I don't, and I asked him, would you do this again? And he said, um, potentially, yes, uh-huh. but. Only if it's got the support of the council. Okay. You know, so neighborhood groups are not going to be able to block housing. So the nimbyism, as they call it, is not going to be able to basically overrule a council decision, at least not from the provincial government's point of view. Okay, that's very interesting to watch here. Let's go to your calls. R. Lee in Abbotsford. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi, uh, go ahead. First-time caller. Cool. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Mike, I'm a, uh, a bus driver here in the Fraser Valley, Okay. and uh, we've just entered our fifth week on the strike, and uh, I just wanted to tell you how stressful uh, this is for us. Um, we, we haven't had a contract in three years. Uh, we've driven through that pandemic period, uh, never missed any work. We did everything in good faith, and our employer... First Transit is not interested in uh, being reasonable with 
mm-hmm. with a pay with wages and uh, pensions. Um, we we uh, we earn thirty two percent less than TransLink, and now that they've just got a raise, we're now forty two percent behind TransLink. Mm. You know, are Mike, you, are, we operate the same equipment, yeah, and uh, it's just uh, we're just so far apart with no. There's no negotiations going on. Are you getting strike pay? Yes. How much are you getting? Can you tell me. Uh, Sixty bucks a day. Sixty bucks a day. How do you and the other drivers feel about that? Are you guys willing to stick it out? Well, you know, Mike, we're we're into this so far, and our our wages are so far behind. As I just mentioned, that uh, I think we have to. We got to stay uh, united on this. Okay. Well, it's interesting Thank you that. Call. So that works out to twelve hundred dollars a month. Uh, strike pay, not tax free. So it, it, tax pay is not taxable, or uh, strike pay is not taxable. But I'm not sure how long people can uh, stick it out. Oh, that's the thing. The cost you know, like the, mora- the morale. The morale quite often is quite strong at, at the start, right? Yeah. And then after these things drag on, I've been on strike. Have, people have trouble paying their bills. I've been on strike a couple times. Yeah. Uh, both times with very generous strike pay, yeah. which was built up over time. Uh, in fact, the strike pay was basically equal to the salary you were you had before you went on strike. So the pressure there was no very little pressure on the employees in a couple of my situations to settle because there was you were getting strike pay. I don't think twelve hundred dollars a month is going to pay the mortgage for a right. lot of people. Yeah, thank you, Arlie, for the call. Let's go to Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Keith. You know, uh, just quickly, a couple points here. I'm sure the Fed contract deal. I don't understand why they have such an issue with 13.5%, I believe, believe over three years. If you look it up, I think a backbench MP is going to receive $5,100 more. Trudeau himself is going to receive 10000 more. You know, the time frame of that or how that's dispersed over time, honestly, it didn't say in the article. But still, 13.5%, the 250 hour an hour premium after four, I don't, yeah, I don't get that. But my main reason for calling, guys, is, is uh, the decriminalization of drugs. The NDP outright supports it. Mr. Falcon, the BC Liberals, sorry, BC United, United, they, you know, they supported it in principle. You know, if, if these uh, were implemented, uh, these plans were implemented by the federal government. Having said that, having said that, they support it. And it, it's not going to work. We can see it. It's happening live in front of our eyes right now. The society is just going to hell in a handbasket, guys. We got to wake well, up here. So, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I still think you have to characterize the decriminalization as an experiment. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure how you know if it, if it does prove to be a total failure, then presumably it's an experiment that an experiment that's not working so far. So far, so far. I mean, we've had it for two and a half months, and yep. we still got record high deaths. And back to so, Rob's points about the the federal strike. Yeah. So the what the union's looking for in terms of an increase is actually less than what is given BC public sector units. So 13.5% versus a little more than 14% in B.C. One of the sticking points in the federal talks is the unions insisting on the ability to work from home. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, a big, that's a big issue with, uh, with the employer. Now, B.C. has gone the opposite. They've actually allowed people to work from home if you're a B.C. government employee. We'll right. see if that one is the pivotal deal breaker.